You're listening to Second on the Mount, a podcast of sermons from Second Presbyterian Church, located on Mountain Avenue in Roanoke, Virginia. We are glad you found us. My name is Elizabeth Link, and I'm the executive pastor. Each week, we climb into the pulpit with a bit of fear and trembling. We hope and pray that what we have to say is true to God's will for the church and may encourage and challenge you on your journey of discipleship. Please rate and review if you enjoy. May the Spirit have some word for you in what we have to share. Let us pray. Gracious God, we turn to your word for us. May your Spirit rest upon us. Help us to be steadfast in our hearing, in our speaking, in our believing, in our living. And may the sacrament be for us a reminder of your claim and grace upon our lives. Amen. Our scripture reading for this morning's sermon comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. I invite you to listen as I read aloud God's word for the church today. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this, The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead of those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is a light at the end of this tunnel. I can feel it. I can hear people say it. There's a light at the end of this tunnel. Vaccinations for many are on the rise. Slowly, children have been returning to school. Death tolls are beginning to drop. And we can sense a not-so-distant future when restrictions may be eased. There is much about this season that is hopeful. At the same time, we know that there are those who await anxiously for their turn at vaccination, while virus variants persist. Adults and children who are immunocompromised wonder what reopening means for their health and safety. And somehow, a return to normal for this country means the unveiling of deep-seated racism and three mass shootings within 10 days. Hope to despair, despair to hope. 
Debbie Thomas writes, On the one hand, the light at the end of the tunnel revives and renews us. On the other hand, it shows us just how bleak and dismal the tunnel has been. It doesn't take humans long to go from praise to pain. It's a fitting mood for the start of Holy Week, really. Jesus has just entered Jerusalem. Throngs of men, women, and children clapped and cheered as they saw him approach the city's east gate. They grabbed palm branches and the cloaks off their backs, whatever they could muster, to wave and lay a carpet before him. In my mind's eye, it must have been a little ramshackle, this impromptu parade, but I bet it was loud and it was joyous. When I was a child, we would recreate the scene on the front steps of First Presbyterian Church Greer. Our children's choir donned white robes and we waved our palm branches high as churchgoers filed down the steps after the benediction. We welcomed Holy Week with the loudest, most Southern hosannas your ears have ever heard. I must have thought Hosanna was another name for Jesus. When we call out the word, it's easy to assume that it's akin to something like, you're amazing, we love you, hooray for Jesus. But it doesn't. In Hebrew, the term means something far less cheerful. It means, save us. Save us now. As in, Lord, help us. We are desperate. We are in trouble. Our cries are steeped in need and want. Hosanna, Jesus, we call out. Save us. Save us now. If you resonate with this paradoxical feeling, this authentic hope wrapped with honest fear, it is okay because this gospel is for you. As Debbie Thomas goes on, she writes, if Palm Sunday is a story about anything, it is about dazzling hopes and disappointed expectations. It's a story about what happens when the God we want and think we know doesn't show up and another God, a less efficient A less aggressive, a far less muscular God shows up instead and saves us in ways we didn't think were possible. Scripture reveals that Jesus knew what was to come. Maybe not the details of how it would come about, but he knew what these days must hold. From the moment he shares his messianic identity with his disciples, he prophesied his fate. He's even predicted that it would come in Jerusalem. Not that Jesus' mission is to die, but rather Jesus knows that his unbridled attempt at human wholeness has proven too disruptive and too offensive for those who are wielding power. Jesus can only love wide open, and toning down God's healing love is not an option for the Messiah. Sister Helen Prejean is a Catholic nun who accompanies countless death row inmates on their journeys to the end. She shares that from the moment of their conviction, these inmates imagine their deaths a million times over. They think about it when they're awake. They dream about it when they're asleep. For her, it's cruel and unusual. Even on the final day, they're reminded of how many hours left, how many minutes, down to the last. She writes that it's like a million tiny deaths. I wonder if this is what it was like for Jesus, knowing his days were numbered. In verse 11, we get a small window into his thoughts. 
Mark says in verse 11, Then Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. When he had looked around at everything, if you blink, you'll miss it. It's that verb, he looked. It's the same verse we see earlier in Mark 3, verse 5. When Jesus healed the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath, he looked around at the Pharisees and the Herodians gathered there, and he asked the question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And when he looked at those Pharisees and Herodians, he knew that they had decided against him, that they had decided to conspire to destroy him. He looked and could see their hardened hearts. It's not an innocent look, but a knowing look. Here in Mark 11, verse 11, Jesus entered the temple, looked around at everything, and he knew. From triumph to disappointment. The crowds cry out, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. For Mark, the meaning of the term Christ denotes royalty. Christ is the Greek version of Messiah, which means anointed one. Kings were anointed. Jerusalem is a royal city. And it was King David who made Jerusalem the capital of the kingdom. His own son, King Solomon, built the first temple in Jerusalem. And the Old Testament consistently calls Jerusalem the city of David. For those Jews at the east gate of the city, it was not hard to envision a royal Messiah ruling from Jerusalem. In fact, it was their dream. With all this in mind, we can imagine how some must have experienced Jesus' triumphal entry as a fulfillment of prophecy and one more step toward establishing him in the ancient city of kings. The disciples already knew he's the Messiah, and they've been anticipating future greatness alongside him. The crowds have seen and heard about his miracles, all under the banner of the kingdom of God. No wonder, then, that the bystanders welcome him not only with the standard pilgrimage, refrain, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, but they add a decidedly royal line, blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. They must have wondered, is he the king? And how will God establish him on the throne? Now we know, of course, this is not the normal power-hungry, sword-wielding, army-raising kind of king. This one rides on a colt, not a warhorse. On the other side of town, Pilate is entering Jerusalem from the west in a parade all his own. Pilate doesn't live in Jerusalem, you see. He travels this way this time each year. Passover is a Jewish festival which celebrates when God set God's people free from the empire. And every year during Passover, Jerusalem would swell from 50,000 to over 200,000 people. Rome doesn't want these occupied civilians to get any ideas. So Pilate travels to Jerusalem from Caesarea every year with his legions of armed soldiers and guards to remind this Jewish city of kings who their ruler really is. The religious leaders will use this to their advantage, of course. 
The festival will provide perfect cover. In a matter of days, they will arrest Jesus at night, try him at night, and have him crucified by brunch. Most of the city would have missed these nocturnal events, and the hope of those Jewish peasants that they may have felt on Palm Sunday would be dashed by Friday morning. Ah, holy Jesus, how hast thou offended? Jesus had come into the city defenseless and weaponless, riding on a donkey. He all but cried aloud that his rule would have nothing to recommend it but love, humility, suffering, and sacrifice. The paradox of this day, of this week, is not lost on us. God on a donkey, dying to live, a suffering king, Good Friday. These paradoxes are precisely what give Jesus' story its shape, its weight. We are called to hold together truths that are incompatible and counterintuitive. What may seem foolish to the world's kingdoms is not foolish in God's kingdom. Some of you may have read that the GoFundMe for Chinese grandmother, Xiao Jianxie, the elderly woman who was attacked by a white man in broad daylight while waiting at a crosswalk in San Francisco, has raised over $980,000 as of this morning. That fund was established for her care, but she has turned around and donated every dime to the Asian American and Pacific Islanders community to combat racism, despair, and hope. Frederick Beekner writes that despair and hope, they travel the road to Jerusalem together, as together they travel every road we take. Here we are. Welcome to Holy Week. In the end, may we find solace in this truth. We are known and held by a God who is too big to fit into the world's expectations. We follow the way of the one who loved us so much that he entered into the weight of our messy world. And we are understood by a God who knows all the reasons we cry out. Hosanna, save us. Blessed is the one who comes to die, that we might live. Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.